Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. So glad to have you here today. Hey, uh, on this Mother's Day weekend, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and we're going to have a lot of fun. The service is going to be a little bit different than we normally do. I just want to see Mother's Day, if I have the right group of people here. How many of you have a mom? Okay, yeah, that's great. Okay, that's great. We're, we're celebrating that today. Some of you are moms. Uh, we're going to get into uh, all of that. But I thought we would start out by getting some wisdom uh, that I came across from second graders who were asked questions about their mom. First question is this, what ingredients are moms made of? Answer, God makes mothers out of clouds, angel hair, and everything nice in the world in one little dab of mean. Okay, next one, we, uh, what did your mom need to know about your dad before she married him? Does he make at least $800 a year? And did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? Uh, some of you want that today still, okay. Uh, why did your mom marry your dad? Grandma said mom did not have her thinking cap on. <laughs> uh, it, what does your mom do in her spare time? Answer, moms don't do spare time. And then, uh, what would make your mom perfect? On the inside, she's already perfect. On the outside, I'm thinking some sort of plastic <laughs> surgery. Uh, aren't kids special? Aren't they really special? Well, uh, we really uh, do want to celebrate all the women in the church this weekend. Guys, don't worry. We have Father's Day weekend coming up in a number of weeks. Um, and in all our campuses, uh, there's opportunities out in the lobby. I hope you'll take advantage uh, of that, uh, where we really get to celebrate the ladies in the church. Today, I'm continuing uh, in the series Skeptic. Uh, we looked the first week at faith and science. And uh, if you miss that, if you're, I got so much uh, good feedback. If you're a science person, and, and even if you grew up in the church, I think you're going to find a different perspective that's going to be quite helpful. And then uh, the second week, we looked at the problem of evil. So I know these are really heady topics. We had a lot of fun, and, and we really want to engage intellectually, uh, emotionally, and spiritually and, and today we're going to look at something that's a question that we find maybe not universally in society. It really lives more on the coasts of our country than uh, other places. But every once in a while you get this question, well, isn't Christianity anti-women? Isn't, you know, isn't this uh, sort of an anti-women uh, faith system? And so what I want to do is not look at... Uh, maybe some sound bites of popular culture, I want to look really deeply, uh, biblically, theologically, philosophically. As I said, I think oftentimes our problem is not that where, you know, people say with faith you just got to not disengage your mind. I think often people aren't intellectual enough when it comes to these questions. They, they settle for surface answers and they don't do the, the real hard work. 
And so one of the things you know uh, about uh, the Bible is that it really expresses God's plan for us. And, and one of the verses I want to look at in the book of Genesis chapter 1 is, uh, I'm going to just uh, describe, let's read this uh, together, or I'll, I'll read it. And it says, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And let's leave this up. Male and female, he created them. And you read that and you're like, okay, not a big deal. Okay, that is unlike every religion ever in the world before that. Any faith system. You have to understand, not only in that century, but in, in hundreds of years after that, you would never find any statement like that. You'd find that man was created in, in God's image, but this, he created them male and female. He created them in his image is something that you just wouldn't find. In fact, if you're a comparative religion person, you won't find that. That each of us is an image bearer of God, men and women. Well, from a historical perspective, and I don't want to get bogged down here, but I just do want to challenge uh, some of the popular logic, or I would say illogical statements, that are made when it comes to uh, faith is Christianity anti-women. You have to understand that education for women didn't exist without Christianity. That is, that is part of the Christian movement. You won't find that in ancient Roman cultures. They just didn't do that. In fact, they would take uh, little girls and, and they'd raise the boys, little girls on the doorsteps to perish. And it was Christians who came along and cared for them. We find that we find remnants of that in our world today, and it is still Christians who are saying, no, every person is created in the image of God. So, uh, we, we, we see that Jesus, his closest followers, included both men and women. And so, when you look at it from a biblical historical perspective, it, are, is it perfect? No, but I'm talking about the major streams. It's funny how we sort of focus on the one-offs or the fringes, not just in faith and everything. But if you look at the major streams, historically, philosophically, and theologically, you'd have to say that, that yes, there's this honoring of men and women. But there are some realities, too. Four key realities I want to look at. One, men and women are different. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I know, you know, that just, you know, biologically and in, in, in other ways, there are ways that are generalizations, but they're generally true. We know physically, definitely, that men and women are different, which is awesome, right? Until it's not. Uh, they say that opposites attract and then opposites attack. <laughs> Men and women are both gifted. And I, and I have the, uh, the reference of the scripture verses. I'm going to go a little quick and you'll find out why in a moment. Uh, now this is where uh, good Christians can disagree. And you may come from a different perspective and you can be wrong. That's fine. But I want to share uh, uh, with you uh, my understanding of the scripture. So you look at 1 Corinthians uh, 12 through 14, these chapters, it says, to each one, if you know Jesus, you've been given a spiritual gift. And, and to everyone, and that includes both men and women, in that we have these gifts. Now, not all of us have the same gifts, and some of it has very little to do with gender. It just has to do with God has created uh, each of us 
uh, differently. Now, I know there are some streams that say, you know, there are certain roles in the church that really should only be for men. I know a lot of you were raised that way. And uh, so I just want to share with you my perspective from my understanding of Scripture is uh, that, that I really believe that, uh, that there is an openness to that. Well, most people will point to 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, I don't allow women to teach in church. Uh, and that says that, and you need to take it seriously. One of the people who's on our church board here, a smart lady, physician, she said, when I came to Christ, I was part of that kind of church. And uh, I just figured, hey, if, if I follow Jesus and he says that's not something for me, that I'm okay with that. And, and I told her, I said, my respect level has gone even up for you that much because your, your thought was, hey, even if I disagree with it, I'm going to follow Jesus. So I hope we keep that attitude. Now, I don't share that perspective, though, when it comes to uh, that, that passage of Scripture. It's really talking about pagan worship that's going on. Uh, there's sort of goddess worship, uh, temple prostitution, all that kind of stuff that we don't like to talk about in church. But uh, So because of that situation, you see that happening. What we see in the Bible, other examples, both men and women can lead. You look in, in Judges chapter 4, Deborah was the spiritual leader of Israel. If you read the book of Judges, there was no political leader. People say, well, she was a political leader. There wasn't any. There were uh, judges that, that would really be a spiritual leader. Uh, she wasn't the military leader. There was a general, Barak, that worked for her, not the one that was president, but one that came uh, along before that. And uh, so there's, uh, she was a spiritual leader. And Priscilla, she led a, a church in her home. We see example after example. And so we'd say, okay, that was probable. Now, now, is every woman a leader? No. Is every man a leader? No. But both have the ability to lead. And here's another reality, is that men and women face unique challenges. And I, in a society that sort of wants to neuter us in a way there we do there are different challenges right like for example this is this is something i know i have and i will never give birth to a child do you know that i mean it looks easy granted uh but uh but i i don't know what's that like to carry a human being around with you and so it's it's very much that is such an incredibly unique experience. Uh, my wife, I mean, you think in practical level, uh, she, she worked in engineering before uh, we were married, and after we were married, she had a great job, make a lot more money than I did, about three times as much money. One guy said, was that hard for you? I said, no. <laughs> I'm like, praise the Lord. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, she, she, my wife just got another promotion at the little tech company she works for in Redmond. And I said, honey, you're about one more promotion about from me watching Netflix for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, the, uh, <laughs> so I don't have a particularly hard time with that. Uh, but but the, uh, the reality is she chose to, to stay home primarily with her kids. It was a decision we made together. We sort of have an egalitarian marriage. We, we make those decisions together. And uh, so she did that, and when we moved back up here, the person who was her administrative assistant uh, many, many years ago was now vice president of the engineering company that she used to work for. And there was that sense of, oh, I love being with my kids, but there was that sense of loss, and it was hard for her, and somehow it became my fault. And anyway, it was uh, 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 one of those. But, but they're just these unique challenges 
that I think if we're honest, if we get rid of all the crazy rhetoric, to know that there are, and if we can understand and appreciate and support each other in that, I think that's a wonderful thing. You know, the, uh, Paul, whose people would say he was, he was really anti, anti-women, I, I want you to check out what, what he wrote in the Bible, what God inspired him to write. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, for, you, uh, for all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one, see that's the goal, one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And he's saying that there's something about you that's so true about you that it should define everything. And so here's our key goal today for both men and women, is let Jesus define your reality. And so what I'm going to do, now I know uh, women, you would love to hear me talk about motherhood because I'm such an expert, Uh, but what I'm going to do is I've invited uh, some ladies from the church, a couple on our staff, a couple work in for some of the big companies around here, and uh, we're going to talk about that, let Jesus define your reality. The first lady I know very well, and she will be the only one I will kiss, my wife. <laughs> Hi, honey. And uh, then there's, uh, so is she, she's working for one of the big tech companies here in Redmond, or the big one. Anyway, uh, uh, which Monica works for that same company as well. Uh, and then there's a couple ladies who are on our staff. Uh, you may not recognize here in Redmond because they work primarily in our other campuses. Uh, Tanya runs administrative services, a big women's event we did, and Lydia is our family resource uh, pastor. And we have, now, now I know we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We, we need to talk quickly. It was such good stuff, the last services, but I want one really important thing I want to get right out of the way. If your husband was going to knock it out of the park today, what would he get you for Mother's Day? <laughs> He should have asked this to of me a couple of days ago, I think, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he, he did really well because I went out and I bought it myself. So he did great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a vote of no confidence or what, but. So I said, what the best gift I can receive is a professional massage by a professional, not my spouse. So my husband, David, is at Issaquah today. So I'm going to look at the camera, David. I love you, and I will love a clean garage for Mother's Day where I can park my car. And I would love all of those things, but I got my Mother's Day gift, and I got a pair of hookah running shoes. I'm not sure how to interpret that. <laughs> but I, thank you, I, honey, I appreciate it. That's, that's great. Well, as you, uh, why don't you tell a little bit about your family, and if you can, uh, while they're talking about their family, just quickly throw up. Uh, pictures on the screen, and, and about how uh, your family and how Jesus first really became real in your life. Um, so, um, so I am the 10th of 11 tenth kids of 11 in, in the family I grew up in. I have two great girls right now, and I love them to pieces, but um, I didn't get a lot of one-on-one time with my mom growing up, as you can imagine, but one of my earliest memories is, um, you know, she was a a devout Catholic, and I was probably six or seven years old and sitting on the sofa with her, and she she brought out her missile, and that was one of the few times we got to just be together, and she taught me the Lord's Prayer, and that was such a cool, special thing, and I think that was really 
the, the start of my heart opening up to God. I felt like I had the secret words that you could talk to God. And um, fast forward many years later, my brother and I, my oldest brother, he was a, a private uh, pilot, and we had a very um, scary experience. Uh, and you know what? There's nothing like a near-death experience to make you think, I need to figure out what happens after this life. And a couple weeks later, I, I committed my life to Christ. That's so. great. So I am the mother of three boys. Uh, uh, can we get that uh, picture up there on the screen, too? Uh, yeah, that's yes. great. Yes, and you see how they're behaving in this photo? That's the best one we could get. That's okay. what happens at my house. Yes, so mother of three boys, sometimes four, depending on how my husband behaves. Mm. Uh, I did not grow up in church, no Christian background experience at all. My parents ended up getting divorced, and so we moved to Washington. My brother made some friends, and changed his life, began acting right. And so my mom thought, well, I think all of you need Jesus. Thanks, bro. So yeah. I started going to church, was not receptive to it all, Stand, sat in the back row, arms crossed, walls up. Youth pastor came up to me and he said, Tanya, God has so much he wants to do, willing to do, ready to do in your life if you would just receive it. First step, sit in the front row. It's rough, right? By the way, do you hear right. that? You're more spiritual in the front row. Yes. Uh, evidently, this group isn't very spiritual at all. So, the, uh, so I sat in the front row and began to open my life up. I opened my heart, opened my mind. I started uncrossing my hands and raising, listening to the actual words to the songs and the words that he was preaching. And then the message started becoming real to me. God became real to me. And it changed the course of my life. 20 plus years later, my husband and I work in ministry and... God is our biggest love. Mm. All right. Lydia. Yeah, for me, I grew up in a Christian home, um, and my parents are mom and dad. Um, they are men and women of prayer and very blessed by that. So there's my family app on the screen. Um, we have three children, and I have a teenager, Miriam, who's a teenager, Caitlin, who's a preteen, and Benjamin, who is in kindergarten, but thinks he's a teenager as well. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, you know, at ninth grade, God, actually, I went on a mission trip to Mexico, and it was at, um, it's the same one that Timberlake goes to, and during this mission trip, God called me into ministry, um, called me to be a pastor, and once I knew that, I mapped out my life. I said, okay, in high school, I'm going to graduate and then go to college. After college, I'll go to grad school and then do a master's in theology, and at age 24, I'll meet the Gilbert, um, someone like Gilbert from Anna Green Gables, um, and <laughs> marry that person, and we'll I have, have no kids. idea what that is, but go ahead. <laughs> you don't yeah. know? Well, if we have Canadians in the room, Anna Green Gables is very big in Canada. We, we love Lucy Montgomery. He, she's the author, okay. if you're wondering. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and we th I thought I will, we'll have kids right away and start a family so that I can learn everything about parenting because um, that's, that's the ministry I wanted to do. And everything happened accordingly, even marrying at 24, having kids right away. And, but reality, for, the reality hit for me at age 30. As I was turning 30, I kind of lost myself. Being that young mom, um, you know, the late 20s of toddlers and babies, that was a blur. <laughs> and, and, but at 30, I was like, who, who am I? And what have I accomplished? And I didn't know. And fear started to grow in me. And it just grew and grew and grew. And when I think back to those 10 years of my 30s, God has given me a word, and the word is tenacity. To be tenacious to the call that God has given to me as his daughter, 
as a mom, as a wife, and also as a pastor. There were times when I felt like God said, come on, come out of the boat and walk on water with me. But I felt like I was sinking. But this is a verse that God gave me, that my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In my insufficiency, that God's grace is sufficient. In my weakness, that God's power is made perfect. Mm, Now I'm 40, and God gave me a new word, and it's flourish. Mm -hmm. And he caused me to flourish. And in this season, this is a verse he gives me, to soar on wings like an eagle. And I'm thankful for this new season. Mm, That's so good, Lydia. Good. Yeah. 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 All right. That is worth right. applause. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Okay, Monica. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's my family. Uh, yeah. We are. Uh, let's see. There's uh, you. Some of you may have seen. May have seen Steve, our care pastor. He's in that photo. Uh, we have a 28-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 12-year-old. No, 13. By the way, he just turned 13 last <laughs> okay. week, and it would be <laughs> sinful for me to give them the wrong age. But yeah, we are a United Nations family. Uh, my two older sons are uh, Asian and I'm African-American son, and my uh, husband is Scottish and German, and that's so normal for us. So a uh, good old American family. We love each other, and it's so fun. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area, just uh, north of the Golden Gate Bridge, and my father was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. My mom was a teacher. We grew up in the Methodist Church. My father had a beautiful voice. He could sing. Um, my mother was on the board of uh, the church board, and she did a lot of things there. And I remember going to church, you know, every Sunday. We, uh, we had, there was a lot of love and support in the church, but we really didn't learn a lot, and for that I don't remember, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but um, I just don't remember that much about what that meant, right? It was, oh, you go to church, and so you're a Christian, and, you know, um, kind of, you know, cycle on. I'm 18, I go to college, and uh, I kind of fell away from the church. I I stopped going to church, and, um, but my senior year, a girlfriend of mine invited me to hang out with her, um, her, her family home, uh, about in Oxnard, which is about 40 minutes north of um, UC Santa Barbara, where I went to school, and I decided to go with her. Uh, it was a sleepover. The next morning, she invited me to go to church, which was normal for me, so I was like, sure, I'll go to church. She sang in the choir. I sat in the pew, and um, it was really spirit, spirit-filled, and choir was going, and it was beautiful, and I remember the pastor speaking when he started speaking, and it felt like he was speaking to me. Mm. And I'm like, gosh, how can he be speaking to me? And I felt like that light kind of shining on me, and um, I started sweating, and my <laughs> knees were buckling, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, something's happening to me. And uh, he was, you know, asking for people who wanted to commit their life to Christ, and I knew that I needed to do that. Even though I'd grown up in the church, I had never really said yes to Jesus. And um, I remember one thought in that moment, which was, oh my goodness, this church full of Christian people will know if I walk up there that I haven't been living a life dedicated to Christ. And I was mortified by that thought. Mm. Um, But something happened in that thought, in that moment. There was a guy who decided to get up and walk forward. He was about my age, and he looked like he could have been a college student, so I kind of identified with him. And, you know, a little bit of competition sparked in me when I was like, (laughs) wait a minute. Uh, he's not going to out-Christ me, you know. <laughs> so I stuck out my foot, I tripped him, and pushed him aside, and ran up to the front. No, I didn't do that. Um, I, you know, when he walked up and he gave his heart to, to uh, God, I said, I can do, if he can do this, I can do this. 
So I walked up front, I gave my heart to Christ. I was bawling the whole time. I, was, I couldn't even stop. I was in my, I left the church still crying and I drove back to campus. The trees were greener, the ocean was bluer, um, the clouds were wider. Everything like, was like a veil came, came you know, off of me. And um, from then on, I just continued to learn and grow and, and be discipled in Christ. They, so, yeah, they, uh, you can. so good. So, so I, I, I was really impacted by a couple things you said and just sort of how, how things were different. And uh, there's a lot of common situations that you have gone through as ladies uh, that, that I think people can relate to, just like you related to uh, that young man. And, you, and Lydia said something, and, and, and this is a behind-the-scenes conversation. <laughs> uh, she said, no, I shouldn't share this, but I'll have you share it anyway. Uh, when, because there's some stay-at-home moms, and, and I realize that uh, on this panel we didn't have that represented well. Uh, and describe what that time was like for you. Stay-at-home moms. Wow. (laughs) Well, you know, while David, my husband, was out working, having fun, he he would go on mission trips, changing the world, changing people's lives, being used by God. I was at home watching his kids. Well, our our kids. But, you know... (laughs) You just said everything you needed to right there. (laughs) And there... Seasons, um, you know, seasons of having babies, um, sleepless nights, seasons of toddlers who refuse to eat, seasons of preschoolers who throw temper tantrums anywhere. They don't care what other people think. And there's seasons, and those seasons pass, and we grow out of those seasons. But, well, maybe not the temper tantrum one, because maybe my teenager does that sometimes too. But people say those seasons pass. And one of the things that I look back as a stay-at-home mom and I wish that I did, was that I was more present in those seasons. Because those seasons were pretty tough. I was always tired. I would go to the doctors and ask them, can you check my thyroid? I am way too tired for this. And they would test it, and they would be like, oh, you are fine. And they'll ask, are you exercising? And I would be like, exercise? Who has time for that? Yeah, I exercise. I'm picking up the toys, vacuuming, doing the dishes and the laundry. But moms... Seasons pass by so quick. And I look at my daughter, Miriam, who is 14 years, 14 years old now. She's in eighth grade. And I have an app that tells me we only have 220 weeks left with Miriam. Mm. That's pretty short. Yeah. Well, and, it, it, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was just thinking about that, how God gives you those wisdoms. And, see, and another behind-the-scenes conversation <laughs> was Tanya. And you, you are a middle child, right? I absolutely am a middle child, and I walk in that authority of a middle child. Uh, And middle children, any middle children in here? Okay, so you know what I'm about to say. We are the peacemakers, right? I'm one of four, and so I wanted everyone to get along at every point all the time. Guys, stop fighting. We have to. Mom's going to come, and we're going to get... You know, that's just my life. Now, again, I have three children, and they don't get along. They, and they don't always want to do the peaceable things that I like. Like, guys, why don't you hug it out? Why don't you love each other? Be best friends. You know, the things we try to pour into them. So instead of constantly doing what I did as a child and trying to make them get along, I force it. And so we have a shirt. It's called our Get Along shirt. And they have to wear it together. And you wear the shirt until you get along or go to bed, whichever is first. Isn't that, isn't that a great idea? Yeah. Uh, 
last service she said that uh, maybe couples should wear that too. And I thought, yeah. It that will strengthen that, your marriages, yeah. absolutely. That, that might be weird stuff, but we're going okay with that. The, uh, hey, hey um, seriously, as we uh, uh, talk about this, um, how has, and I'll ask this for my wife, is how has God helped you in even some of the challenges uh, yeah. that you've faced as a mom, as a woman, mm-hmm. married yeah. to me? <laughs> <laughs> now that I have the microphone, let me tell you a few things. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing is there are seasons of motherhood that are harder than others. Um, I think the unique thing that we can find, though, in a relationship with Christ is the true value of being a mom that it really is so much more than a role we play. Um, it's a ministry that we're assigned to. You know, God, God entrusts these little beings to us for a while. And man, that is such a huge, it can be a burden or it can be an honor and a privilege. And um, I think if you see it through that lens, um, for whatever amount of time we get to keep them, um, it is a ministry that only we can do. Well, a little practical advice as we uh, close out this portion. Uh, f- to, for the guys here, sometimes we're not always intuitive in when it comes to our relationships. Some of you are. You're awesome. But uh, what's a piece of advice you would give to help a brother out? <laughs> well, one of the things I would say is, um, you know, help to pull out and encourage the gifting in us, you know, husbands, brothers, um, uncles, the women in your life, daughters, whoever they may be, your wife. Um, I, my husband is amazing. He really is. And by the way, it took me two times to get it right. Um, <laughs> but he is an amazing man. And what I appreciate about him, among many things, is, you know, he encourages the gifting in me. He doesn't squash it. And I love flowers and I love, you know, candy bars and all those things too. But that's the most important thing to me is that I can be truly who I am and all that God has called me to be with the support and nurturing of my husband. For me, David does this very well. So I wanted to share it with all the husbands. Um, husbands, love your wives, respect them, treasure them. Doesn't matter how long you've been married, adore them. I think that goes for our kids too, right, huh? (laughs) My advice is don't be afraid to ask questions. 2019, women, we can do it all, right? Roar, and I'm that woman, you know, strong and independent, but sometimes I need help. I'm trying to carry all these boxes and looks like I've got it all together, but I don't. So sometimes just say, how can I help? How can I be of assistance? Can I get that for you? It's never a problem to ask. And I don't know if mine's as much as advice as just um, helping you understand. I think the connection that moms have with kids is different than the connection that dads have with kids. Um, So especially, I think, for sons, sometimes we moms, we drive you crazy. And I know dads, sometimes you're like, just relax, stop being so in it, so emotional, so, you know, whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I always say it's kind of like, remember that old movie E.T.? You know, there's E.T. and Elliot, and they have this weird connection where, you know, Elliot is sick, and E.T. feels it, and E.T. is happy, and Elliot is happy. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like that for moms and kids, and that's why we're so overbearing and too much sometimes, but hopefully that... Gives a little understanding. <laughs> well, I think you have given us a lot of understanding. This was not only, I think, a gift to the moms, but uh, to all the men here today. Can we thank them for sharing?
and, and I don't know about you, I felt like we could have had this conversation a lot longer, uh, but, but I hope you got the point in this, is these are some great women who, who are uh, some in ministry, some as lay leaders, uh, who are leading here, who have let Jesus define their reality. And uh, again, I know uh, some of the challenges they've gone through at home, at work, and have still kept that joy, that sense of purpose, that moving forward, uh, believing in the future that God has for them. And I pray, and for those of you watching uh, online or other campuses as well, I pray that you'll grab hold of that reality. And this Mother's Day, for all of us, for, for uh, men and women, would be a time where we would say, Jesus, as I move forward, uh, I, I want you to define it, no matter what the world says, no matter what my circumstances say, that my reality is defined by what you've done for me, how you've gifted me, and how you're going to lead me in the future. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.